Today is January 8th, 2021. The Democrats take the Senate, Trump supporters storm the Capitol, and Congress confirms Biden as president. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We got another great episode for you today. I'll be willing to say that this is not only the best episode that we've done so far, but I legitimately do believe that this is the most important episode and podcast that I have recorded thus far in my Split the Difference journey. We are going to do our best to look at both sides of the aisle today, but it is going to be a very, very difficult show because there have been a lot of awful things that have happened this week, and it is of the utmost importance that we looked at, look at them objectively, we talk through them, and we have conversation around it that hopefully will be beneficial. So, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and hop straight into our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story, the Democrats win both of the seats for the senatorial races in Georgia. So Ossoff, John Ossoff, and Raphael Warnock will be the two new sitting senators in Georgia, defeating David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler for those two seats. Both of them were the Republican incumbents in an absolutely historical race. Uh, This is unprecedented within the past 30 years, almost 40 years. Uh, that two Democrats have been able to unseat two incumbent Republicans that were running uh, for senatorial races in one of the deep South states, Georgia being one of them. It is, you know, with one without a doubt, one of the biggest races that has been held in a very long time. And it firmly puts the Democrats in control of the House, the uh, Senate, and also now the presidency as well. So, uh, for years, the Republicans have held these seats, and a lot of ways have kind of taken them for granted. Um, and I won't talk through every single ramification of all of this because I already did that for the most part on Monday, and I talked about it a good bit on Wednesday as well. Um, but what I will say, and what a, this appears to be, is really more of a rebuke on Donald Trump specifically as opposed to the Republican Party as a whole. And I say this for a couple of reasons, okay? It is very clear that uh, both David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, like we talked about earlier in the week, sold out completely for Donald Trump. Like, he was their ticket, they thought, into winning those seats, okay? They both went on record as to saying that they would uh, oppose the Electoral College count within Congress, They both had Donald Trump down in Georgia campaigning for them. They've been very, very outspoken fans of Donald Trump for a very long time. And as a result, most people would, of course, associate them with Donald Trump. However, it appears that a lot of the Republicans that are more heavily associated with Donald Trump and didn't have something else that basically would have tied them to voters besides them being fans of Donald Trump and being more of the Trump Republicans, most of those people, and especially in the Senate that had races that were Republicans, did not fare very well in their races, okay? If you look, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler are fantastic examples because they are so pointedly huge fans of Donald Trump. Um, You look at other races, like, for example, Mitch McConnell's race was an absolute blowout, and he has very, very purposefully distanced himself from Donald Trump. 
Uh, Martha McSally uh, was a bit more of a moderate Republican, but she had huge support from Donald Trump um, and, you know, for the most part, did not do very well in Arizona. Um, So all the way across the board, I think for the most part, what you're actually kind of starting to see is in a lot of ways, the American people are delivering probably the biggest rebuke of one specific politician in a very, very long time. And we'll get into a lot more of why that's going on later on in the episode. But I think that it is becoming painfully clear that America voted Joe Biden into the presidency, right? Obviously, but he, I mean, by a pretty wide margin, right? I mean, the popular vote was not even close, okay? It was millions and millions apart. A lot bigger than it was between Trump and Hillary, uh, Joe Biden also won the electoral map. He flipped Georgia. He was able to flip Arizona. He flipped Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, he, I mean, a lot of these states that Trump won, that Trump did well in previously, um, you know, Joe Biden just ended up going in there and absolutely crushing it, right? And you're also looking at, in a lot of these states, you know, Georgia is a bit of an exception, but in a lot of these states, there are still Republicans that are very much doing well within their senatorial and also House rep- House of Representative races. So all across the country, you're, you're, you're seeing that Republicans are still getting voted into office if they had distanced themselves from Donald Trump properly, okay? And now I think you're seeing that even more emphatically in these races down in Georgia. So I feel like the American people are tired of all the chaos that Donald Trump brings. They're tired of his rhetoric. They're tired of the false allegations and the lies. They don't want Trump anymore. And over these past two months, Donald Trump has actually done more to hurt the Republicans that are running in races and the Repub- the future Republicans that will be running than I think than a lot of people have realized that he would actually be able to do. So let's be clear about this, though. Trump absolutely still has a very strong base, okay, which we will get into very heavily in a minute. Um, but that is not the majority of Americans. And in order for you to be able to win races, you have to have the majority of the people within those constituencies to be, to be voting for you. If Donald Trump has not consolidated the entirety of the, of the Republican bloc, which he hasn't, he's divided the Republican bloc in half, then he's not going to be able... In, you know, subsequent people that support Donald Trump and that Donald Trump supports are uh, not going to be able to garner the support that they need in order to be able to win those races. Ossoff and Warnock are a stark contrast to everything that Donald Trump has pushed over the past few years, right? I mean, they campaigned solely on rebuking and pushing back a lot of the policies and a lot of the stuff that Donald Trump has pushed over the past couple of over the past four years yes they are absolutely left-leaning politicians of course and I do hope that they don't get into Congress and start pushing too far left and putting a bunch of stuff that you know and they actually serve their constituents well because we have to remember Georgia it's not like Georgia is a far left blue like deep blue state right like Georgia for the most part is still a pretty right-leaning state okay it is. It had voted blue in 2020 and now in this election as well, I think because of how uniquely awful Donald Trump is. But for the most part, 
Georgia is still a very, very, very purple state, okay? It has a pretty equal amount between Republicans and Democrats. Um, so they have to, they would need, if they were going to serve their constituents in the way that their constituents actually would like for them to vote, they would likely need to be much more moderate Senate uh, politicians. Hopefully that actually happens. It's yet to be seen, but... From what it appears, Ossoff and Warnock are both actually pretty decent guys. Warnock has definitely said some some pretty weird stuff. There's definitely some weird stuff that has come up. But, I mean, he's been the pastor of the same church that Martin Luther King Jr. was a pastor of. Um, and, you know, for the most part, he seems like a decent enough guy. So, hopefully they get in and they do well in the Senate. Um, they actually are help. Hopefully they help to bring a little bit more unity into the conversation as much as possible. So with all that, we're not going to spend too much time on that. We're going to go ahead and get into our second and third stories of the day. Uh, they tie together very, very closely, and um, we're going to need to spend a little bit more time on that. So without further ado, here is our story number two and number three. So um, this is basically going to all be around the chaos that is happening on Capitol Hill, and then the subsequent confirmation of Joe Biden. Both of these go hand in hand. Instead of splitting them up, I figured that I would go ahead and just talk about it all at one time. So there's a lot to be said about this. I'm sure that many of you have heard the news over the past couple of days about everything that happened on Wednesday at the Capitol. My goal here on this podcast is going to continue to be, we're going to try our best to look at both sides of the aisle whenever possible. We're going to try our best to find the moderation and the truth that often lines in the middle. But at times, there are going to be instances where you have to emphatically rebuke and emphatically say no to something that is happening on one side of the aisle. It's just going to happen, okay? Today is one of those days. My goal is not to beat around the bush and just tell you what happened. I think that it's important to talk through the significance of what happens, the ramifications of what happened, and of course how things can and should change as a result of what occurred on Capitol Hill on Wednesday and also yesterday as well. So on Wednesday during a joint session of Congress, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building absolutely wreaking havoc and, for the most part, insurrecting the legislative branch of the United States. They chanted, they shattered windows, they broke down doors, they made their way all the way to the floor of Congress where they pilfered and stole things, took selfies on t in, you know, Mike Pence, Pence's office, um, on the actual podium and things. I mean, it was absolutely awful. All of the congressmen and women had to be evacuated from the building. Um, it was, without a doubt, one of the worst things that has happened in the in the United States for democracy in a uh, very, very long time. So let's go ahead and report on Fox News so you know I'm not being ridiculously biased here, right? <laughs> We're going to have Fox News tell us what happened on Wednesday. Here it is. Well, the situation at this moment is very calm on the west side of the Capitol. Mostly what you can see now are the emergency vehicles and police vehicles uh, that are uh, still very present here on the west side of the Capitol. But you talk about the uh, people who died out here today, three medical emergencies and the one woman who was shot. Uh, the chief of the Metropolitan Police now says uh, the one woman who was shot was indeed shot by uh, Capitol Police. Her name is uh, Ashley uh, Ashley. 
Babbitt. She was a 14-year veteran of the uh, Air Force. Her mother-in-law told local news out here that she had no idea what she was doing participating in these demonstrations. Uh, one witness tells us the chaos when she was shot. Um, yeah, uh, she, she didn't say anything. Um, she hit the grounds, and that's when I was filming, and I stopped filming. Um, that's why my videos are split in two, because I had to shine a flashlight on her um, to see if we could stop the bleeding, and we put our hands on her neck to, to try and stop it, and we just watched her eyes go wide, and there was, there was nothing we could do. Capitol Police say 40 to 45,000 people participated in the demonstrations today. It's not clear how many people uh, reached the Capitol, but it was around 1 o'clock when they got to the Capitol. It wasn't too much longer until they uh, started breaking doors, forcing their way inside. They were scaling the walls on the outside. Once inside, a lot of glass was broken. We saw fire extinguishers were set off. People ransacked different offices. And the chief of the Metropolitan Police also says two pipe bombs were left behind. Okay, so there it is. The pictures and the videos were grim, to say the least. It looks like at this point, four people were killed. One woman, like they were talking about before, was actually shot by the Capitol Police and security there. A lot of other people were injured. Property was vandalized. And many of our congressmen and women were in a lot of danger. So, um, I also I will also show another quick video. Um, I will preface this by, I never thought that I would be saying these words right now. But I actually agree with what Cory Booker had to say. Cory Booker, the Democratic senator out of New Jersey, who is the most grandstanding, I mean, just ridiculous politician. He looks like a like a me character from we um, from the we. But uh, he actually said some really, really decent stuff about this. And I'm not going to play everything that he said Um but I actually agree a lot with what Cory Booker said after the joint session of Congress reconvened in order to be able to confirm Biden's victory. So let's listen into what Cory Booker said. I can only think of two times in American history that individuals laid siege to our capital, stormed our sacred civic spaces, and tried to upend and overrun this government. One was in the War of 1812, and the other one was today. What's interesting about the parallel between the two is they both were waving flags to a sole sovereign, to an individual, surrendering democratic principles to the cult of personality. One was a monarch in England. And the other were the flags I saw all over our capital, including in the hallways and in this room, to a single person named Donald Trump. All right. So, amazingly, pretty much everything that Cory Booker just said is exactly correct. Okay? He is spot on. Most of the time, all he does is stand around and grandstand, makes very, very emotional speeches, and pretty much does nothing else but just takes money from big pharma companies. Okay? However... He was incredibly spot on about this. I do not care which side of the aisle that you are on. This has got to stop. It's got to stop, okay? I am bewildered by the amount of people on the right side of the aisle that are trying to justify what happened this week or immediately finger point to the other side of the aisle. The majority of what I have heard from political pundits on the right 
isn't placing blame where it needs to go, and that is solely on Donald Trump. The first thing that they're wanting to say is that it's the media and that it's the government. All right. It's not these protesters fault. Right. First of all, we can't call them protesters. They are rioters. If if, rioters at best, insurgents at worst. Okay. And we have heard very little from Trump supporters coming out and condemning the way that he has been speaking and the way that he has honestly been inciting and promoting a lot of what happened yesterday. So Trump and his team over the past month or so, have worked very, very hard to sow discord and to convince his supporters that they have been disenfranchised because he has been disenfranchised. We are now seeing what happens when you undermine democracy in the way that Trump has done. It is not just him standing up and saying that he thinks that fraud has been done. Because there's nothing wrong with him saying that he believes that there was fraud. All right. Trump can say that all that he wants, and then he can go and he can fight it in the courts, which is exactly what he's done. However, the problem that we have is when we have a sitting president that has clearly lost an election that is refusing to concede, refusing to say that he is going to go peaceably and telling his supporters that they need to, quote, keep fighting and fight harder. Okay, Rudy Giuliani. One of his head lawyers, a guy that's been on the Trump team for a long time, stood up on Wednesday at one of the marches for Donald Trump and said that he thought that there should be, quote, trial by combat. That's Rudy Giuliani, the face of the Trump legal team, saying that he thinks that there needs to be trial by combat, insinuating that if there was a fight, if there was a war, the right would win because the right can maybe fight better and that they should challenge the left to physical combat in order to be able to sort out the disagreements. All of this is absolutely unbelievable, inexcusable, and heartbreaking, to say the least. So we're seeing what happens when a leader refuses to abide by the constitutional norms and practices that have been put in place and that have been in place for centuries now. Our democracy is much more fragile than we would like to think. It is. It, do, it takes one leader to stop acting by the norms that we all accept and to incite his followers that are incredibly devout to go and cause absolutely wreak havoc, okay? Okay. If we, are, we walk a fine line in America, the democracy that we have. There are people in our country that are obviously willing to storm federal buildings and riot in order to get what they want. And I don't just mean Trump supporters there as well, right? There were people over the summer doing the exact same thing in Seattle and in Portland, okay? Those were on the different other side of the aisle. Those were, they were rioting and protesting for different things, of course, but we are now starting to see a pattern of violence over and over and over again. And we are seeing, uh, especially Donald Trump, refuse to condemn violence and rioting when it takes place on his side of the aisle. And that is not okay. So Trump eventually came out and stated that there would be a peaceful trans transition of power after the electoral balance were counted by Congress. Obviously, at this point, it is way too little way too late. Donald Trump started saying in 2016 that if he lost, he would not concede. Now we're, we're here. He has lost. 
and he is just now conceding. And we are, what's what's today, the 8th? We are literally a, like a week and a half away from the other president being put in to office. And Donald Trump has refused to concede and refused to denounce all types of violence on the rights coming from the right side of the aisle for months now. Okay? So... We're gonna really we're gonna talk through the ramifications of this because there are ramifications around this. Okay, first, how this is going to play into the psyche of every single American going forward, because it absolutely does. Large cultural events like this have a marked impact on the way that Americans and the way that the culture will think about things going forward. You saw the exact same thing with 9-11 is a fantastic example. A gigantic cultural moment of violence, of terrible things that in, in a lot of ways tested our resolve as a democracy. And it changed, especially people uh, you know that were there and in and around, but almost every single person can talk about what they were doing or where they were at if you were alive during 9/11, because it was such a marked cultural moment for America. This is going to be very, very similar. Okay, Cory Booker was right when he said that our capital has been stormed two times in American history. The first was in the War of 1812, and the second was this week by Trump supporters. That is scary. So Donald Trump has convinced half of America, almost half of America, that our electoral system is broken and does not work. So much so that a group of them wanted to cooperate and perform a, you know, a group insurrection of our legislative branch of government. What this means is that instead of voting, discussing, and trying to work things out through words, people are much more likely to resort to violence. You see this all across the world in places where democracies were or have been in place when people lose faith in the voting in the electoral system that rep is supposed to represent them. The last thing that they can do is actually go and vote because they feel like their vote doesn't count and that their vote isn't worth anything. So in order to be able to get their point across, they riot. There's violence. There's you know military that has to be brought in. It is not a good situation. You saw this, for the most part, all last year as well. There was a huge push on the left saying that, pro uh, saying that uh, there needed to be protests, that there needed to be even be rioting. There were plenty on the left that were calling for rioting as well. Uh, and many of, you know, many of them justified it because they felt like those people were being disenfranchised by Donald Trump, right? Well, now the right is doing the exact same thing. However, I will concede and I will say this is much more egregious. It just is. Much more egregious. Storming the Capitol building, much more egregious. Okay, the second, uh, th the second ramification, I guess, that will come out of this uh, is how this will absolutely destroy the Republican Party, which is not good. It's not good for our democracy. We need to have two parties that are strong, that are working together, and that are trying their best to represent their constituents well. I have been saying for years that Donald Trump is going is one of the worst things that could have happened for the modern Republican Party because he stripped them of a unified identity, okay? As soon as Donald Trump started to garner the support that he was garnering and this totally new, populist, nationalist, isolationist type of movement within the Republican side of the aisle, he was slowly but surely stripping the traditional Republican GOP of its identity, okay? And that is not a good thing. There are millions and millions of Republicans that are completely sold out for Donald Trump 
that have zero allegiance for and want for the Republican Party. They are literally just there because they like Donald Trump. I, they have excused almost everything that he's done over the past four years. They've blamed the media. They've blamed the Democrats. They've blamed everything in the world they could possibly blame and said that Trump is a really good guy and that he wants for the best for this country. And now all of those people and the entirety of the Republican Party are going to have to reconcile one of the most incredulous attacks on the United States Capitol in the history of our country, okay? With the fact that every person raiding that building was carrying a Trump flag, all right? It's not like we have any doubt or any confusion about who these people were, right? It's not even like these people, the difference between these people and like Antifa, right, is that Antifa is like this for the most part, like disconnected type of like just band of ne'er-do-wells that are running around screaming that fascism needs to stop and, you know, starting small riots and doing bad stuff. Obviously, Antifa is, I, I think Antifa is absolutely awful. The difference is all of the people that were there storming the Capitol yesterday were spurred on by and empowered by the voice of the sitting president. Every single one of them were carrying a Trump flag, or if they weren't carrying a Trump flag, they were carrying a Confederate flag, which, don't even get me started on how ridiculous that is. At some point, you have to wake up and you have to recognize that the Republican Party is absolutely shattered right now, just pilfered. It is completely torn in half. And what that is going to do is cause a dramatic power vacuum that the Democrats are going to take up, unless you know, Trump starts his own party or unless a multitude of other factors or different things happen, you know, it is going to absolutely pilfer the Republican Party as we know it. And for many people that are conservative, that is a very, very scary thing. And it's a scary thing for people that aren't conservative as well. If you're sitting more in the middle side of the middle of the aisle, you're kind of looking around and being like, well, what, what, are, what are you going to do then? Like, there needs to be that jockeying back and forth of political conversation, right? That is beneficial. Hopefully, people start to move more towards that moderate lane. But you don't know. So hear me when I say I do not support the vast majority of the policies that the Democrats are pushing, okay? There's a lot of things that Democrats push that I'm not a huge fan of, okay? Granted, there's a lot of things that the Republicans push that I'm not a big fan of either, I'm not the biggest fan of Biden and, and Kamala Harris. I'm not, okay? I can deal, though, with policies that I disagree with. If I can have a conversation around those things and communicate and have civil discourse, okay? I can, I can disagree with you and be okay. What I can't deal with is literal insurrections of the Capitol building. Not okay. Can't deal with that because that's not conversation anymore. That is the be beginnings of the crumblings of democracy. Okay, if you are absolute, if you are not absolutely infuriated by what happened on Wednesday, and want the fullest extent of the law thrown at every possible person that participated, then I think you need to take a very, very serious look at whether your allegiances lie with Donald Trump or whether they lie with America as a whole, because what happened this week is scary to say the least. So, um. I also would like to throw up two pictures on the screen for us to look at, and this will be very, very brief. Um, if, you are, if you're just listening in, I can go ahead and describe what these pictures are. So, um, 
the first picture is a picture taken from uh, the Black Lives Matter protest that took took place in Washington D.C. last year, around the late May, early June. Okay, uh, it is at the Capitol building. Okay, and uh, it you can see in the picture, basically on every single step, is a soldier within the United States. Uh, I think I believe it's the National Guard, um, standing on the steps, uh, pretty much shoulder to shoulder not allowing anyone up on the steps of the Capitol building, full tactical gear, right? I mean, helmet, bulletproof vests, full full fatigues, all right? They are in uh, full tactical gear, ready to stop anything and everything that would happen. The second picture that you see was a picture taken on Wednesday. You can see all the Trump flags. You can see a don't tread on me flag, which is just hilariously taken out of context. Um, and there are thousands of people Standing on the Capitol building steps, holding Trump flags, all these different flags, Confederate flag you can see in there. Not a National Guard soldier in sight. Not one. Okay? In the past couple of days, there have been 52 people that have been arrested at the Capitol. 52. There are four people dead currently. Okay? And there were 45,000 people that rioted in the streets storming the Capitol building. 52 people that were arrested. In the three days of the largest Black Lives Matter protest in Washington, D.C., between May 30th and June 2nd, the heat of the protest, there were almost 500 people arrested. 500, okay? So, currently, there are one-tenth of the amount of people that have been arrested. Now, you tell me that there's not some type of systemic injustice happening there, okay? I'm just... I'm going to call that as I see it, okay? And I'm just going to leave that exactly as it is. So with all of that, um, Biden was confirmed by Congress to be the next president of the United States. They counted the electoral votes. They confirmed the electoral votes. They did exactly what Congress is supposed to do. Congress does not have the authority legally to overturn the elections done by states, okay? If they wanted to create a bipartisan and um, a bipartisan, uh, basically, election commission to be able to audit it, they could, but then it would then still be up to the states in order for the states to change it, okay? No election commission was created that I was able to see, and it looks like Biden has been confirmed as the next president officially, okay? There is no more, uh, you know, jockeying back and forth. There is no talking about how Ted Cruz is going to go up and grandstand and overturn the election results. There's no more of that, okay? Biden is going to be the next president of the United States. It looks like it is finally over. So now it is time for us to come together. As much as we possibly can, it is time for us to actually unify and come together as a country. Regardless of whether or not you agree with all of Joe Biden's politics, regardless of if you would rather see more Republicans voted into the House or into the Senate, now is the time when we actually do have to join together as a country and as a group of people in order to be able to keep our democracy from crumbling right now. And that is why I, I really do think that platforms like this one and like many others are so important. It's one of the many reasons why I started this podcast. I desperately want and hope that we, in our little listenership here, can start to build a group and a community that is willing to have difficult conversations 
but also be willing to listen to what the other side has to say. We want to have our opinions. We want to hold them strongly. We want them to be educated. They want, we want them to be well-read. But we are always willing and open to listening to what the other side has to say, acknowledging that there's both good and bad on both sides of the aisle, and trying our best to stop the division and the discord that is happening. That is what I want for this podcast. That is what I want for us as a, as a group and as a little community here for Split the Difference. And I, I legitimately do hope that that is something that we will start to see happening here over the next coming months and into 2021 as well. So um, I plan on doing my best to have honest conversation, to admit the times when I'm wrong because I am wrong frequently. I'm a human being just like you are. And I want to uh, hopefully try to set a bit of an example as to how conversations can meet in the middle and how we can continue to build one another up and grow as a society and as a country because I really do want to see that happening. I love this country. I'm so happy and thankful to be blessed to have been born here and I hope that many of you feel the exact same way but we have to be able to call out bad things when they're there, celebrate the good things when they're there as well and eventually Try to find that middle ground where the truth oftentimes lies. So with all of that, that is going to be the end of our show today. This is Split the Difference Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Austin Taylor.